Amen and amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Praise God. All the OU fans in the house, you doing okay? <laughs> Maybe we should have a prayer line. Maybe we should lay hands on you. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got some good news for you. I shared it on Wednesday, or Wednesday before last. But uh, we have officially retired Vision 2020. Amen. Hallelujah. So Vision 2020 is uh, now we've got a lot of things to do over there still. It's uh, The building won't be uh, totally done until January. Uh, a lot of it is aesthetics and things of that nature, and so they're working diligently on that. Um, but uh, praise God that campaign is over with, and uh, we're looking forward to what God would have us to do. Amen, because we're going to continue going to continue to build. Amen, continue to grow, continue to expand. Amen, and uh, so we're going to do that. Um, now this comes a, a very special time in our church, in which we have what is known as our in end of the year offering, and it's where we come together on uh, uh, during the holidays and we ask the Lord. Uh, what to give. Now, many of you got these when you came in. If you didn't, uh, we'll get one in your hand. But this is, um, you know, basically uh, an end-of-the-year offering that we give every year. And uh, <clears throat> it goes to missions, it goes to margin, and it goes to maintenance, the three M's. And so there's a lot of things that we were able to, <clears throat> able to do over this last period of time. We were able to put a uh, coat the roof of the... Um, children's building we were able to do quite a bit uh, we're working on uh, you know we're going to have to have a, other parking lots you know for the new building and things of that nature so there's just a lot that's going on here to expand and to grow and to get the gospel out and uh, so we want to encourage you just to you know pray about it there's this is not a twist your arm offering this is not make you feel guilty offering this is a free will offering this is just I want to willingly give this to the Lord, and, and whatever the Lord uh, puts on my heart, that's what I'm going to do. Many people have seen significant breakthroughs come in their businesses and in their homes because they made a decision to give a certain amount, and they gave it, and uh, went into the new year uh, with uh, just things opening up for them. I'd encourage you to do that. Always see giving as an opportunity. Never see it as loss. See it as gain, just as Dana said, and her grandfather so eloquently put it, it's seed time and harvest. God is always into seed time and harvest. He says, as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Amen? And uh, praise God, he works that way. It's not just physically, it's spiritually. The way this works physically is the way it works spiritually. God uses the physical to show us how the spiritual works. And when it comes to your finances, it's not about your getting capacity. It's about your giving capacity that will take you over the top. So I encourage you to get one of these, pray over it. And um, we're going to be taking it up all month. You can give it all month long if you want to. But we're going to have a special candlelight communion service on, I believe it's the 22nd, Wednesday the 22nd. And it's going to be just a wonderful time where we come together as a family and we have a portion of the service in which we offer this unto the Lord. And it's a powerful time 
in which families can pray together for the new year. How many know that 2022 is right around the corner? <clears throat> and you know what? We used to be able to say, well, you know, 20, uh, next year will be better and better. Well, I'm telling you, friends, some of the things that we're seeing, we need to prepare for. Amen? And uh, we need to prepare for financially. So praise God. No matter who's in office, no matter what economy's doing, Jesus will take care of his people. Amen? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. I believe it. Amen? And uh, so it's going to be wonderful. Let's turn to, I believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, I'm, I'm going to tie up some loose ends. And um, we're talking about end-time marriage. Amen? And, um, you know, this, uh, we shared with you that uh, the four basic reasons why people end up having conflict in their marriage is, first off, is going to be money. Secondly, it's going to be sex. Number three is going to be what we believe, our belief system, not just religion, but our belief system and how we perceive and understand life. And then fourthly, it's going to be children. So you've got four areas that you're going to find major conflict in if you choose to be married, okay? And uh, the Bible is clear, and that we're going to read the Scripture here um, in uh, chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul clearly tells us that if you're going to be married, you're going to have trouble in the flesh. And how many can say amen to that? You're going to have trouble in the flesh. We're going to have trouble in those four main areas. Those four main areas... Are the, but, but in the times that we're living in, we're seeing things be, you know, mutate into, into things that we have not seen before uh, when it comes to married relationships. And many of the millennial generation have chosen not to marry. And, uh, and you know, for different reasons, you know, but uh, I think... You should be led by the Spirit of God in your... You know, the Lord wanted me to tell you this, and, and, you know, He wakes me up and He tells me things to tell you. But I'm telling you, uh, we talked about a highly sexualized society and how that sex drives our culture. Um, and um, listen, when you're dating, sex will blind you to the weaknesses of the person that you're with. Sex is, is, is akin in the scriptures to intoxication. Okay, so when we, when we partake sexually in a relationship that's not ordained of God, we intoxicate ourselves. And when you intoxicate yourself, you don't have good judgment. And when you're sexually active, see, God does this to protect our lives. He isn't just saying, I'm going to keep you from having fun. You know, that's not God's desire. God's desire is to, for you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Amen? And uh, <clears throat> but what happens is, is uh, people will feel the urge to get sexually active after a certain, some of them right the first date, you know. 
but over a period of time that the the pressure begins to mount and build to take the relationship to the next level well you need to see that as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you don't need to see it you, you need to see it for what it is it's going to take your relationship places it never was meant to be taken in that season and you're going to begin to be very convoluted in your logic towards that person because you're tied to them sexually and if you're tied to them sexually you cannot think objectively you just cannot think objectively at all they do stupid stuff your parents are saying man that guy's an idiot that girl there's something wrong with her you don't want to hear it why because you're sexually tied to them you're under a spell and you're intoxicated by sexual activity amen it's the truth anyhow you can shout me down it's the truth we're going to sh- I'm going to show you here. But notice here the Apostle Paul talking about marriage, and he's talking about the present distress that he is living in. Of course, the transitional from the law to grace, understanding the persecution that came into his life. He begins to talk about the unmarried and the widowed. Let's look at verse number 25. It says, Now concerning the betrothed, or concerning those that are to be married, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Now notice this. He says, I give my judgment, but I give my judgment based upon my walk with the Lord. So we have to take Paul, you know, we have to realize that this isn't necessarily a command from the Lord, but it is admonition from someone that walks with the Lord, okay? He says, I think that in view of this present distress. Now, what was he talking about? He's talking about uh, the present distress that he was in, where persecution was at all-time high. He says this, it is good for a person to remain as he is. He says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if your betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Uh, But yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. They'll have troubles in the flesh. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Now that's, see that we're talking about end time marriage. See, as time grows shorter, the pressure on marriages will be greater. Okay, that's what he's saying. Because when you live singly, now a true single, see that's the problem with most marriages. The people coming together were never truly single. They're looking for completeness in another person. No, you're to be complete in Christ and single in Christ, and then you, you add to a relationship. But if you think that person is going to, you know, you complete me, the old Jerry Maguire lie, <laughs> hello, then you're going to be very, very disappointed because there's some stuff that they'll want to complete you with that you'll say, no, 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 no. I don't want that in my life. No, we need to be complete in the Lord. And a lot of people come in at 30%, 20%, 50%. You know, they're not 100% people. You can only bring in the relationship who you are. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, and you know, I, I saw a meme on Facebook that was pretty cool. It says, you know, don't look at the man's car and don't look at the man's house and don't look at the man's job. Look at his Bible. If it's marked in and tattered, you got a good man. 
If it's one that's still in the package, you but you better <laughs> you better run. Hello, come on now. The, the 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 problem today is 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 here it is. Women fall in love with men's potential. It's just the truth. They fall in love with potential, and I'm telling you, potential won't put food on food on the table. And potential won't uh, protect you when you need protecting. Potential won't uh, meet the need. That's always a fantasy land and a fairy tale. I'm, I'm preaching all right to you guys, a little quiet. But people fall in love with potential all the time. But notice what he says here. He says, um, it's grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none and those who mourn as though that they were not mourning and those who rejoice as those that were not rejoicing and those who buy as though who have no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away okay this present form of this world is passing away that's why i've called it end time marriage is because this present form of this world is passing away. So that causes me to understand and know that marriage is highly complicated in the end times. It doesn't mean that our former generations did not face challenges. They did. They faced extreme challenges. But there are challenges in this, in this postmodern world that are different than generations past. They're still based on the four. You're going to have trouble based on the four aspects that I talked about. You're going to fight about money, sex. You're going to fight about what you believe in, and you're going to fight about over children. Those are going to be your major qualms that you're going to have. The vision of the house, what you believe the, the, man, the man's role is in the house, what, what you believe the woman's role is, role is in the house, depending upon where you come from. You see, these can cause great complications. And I shared with you that it is really the ideas and thoughts of our age and of our society that tend to seep in and begin to drive out, you see, and drive us in ways that cause conflict in our marriage. And I shared with you that the postmodernism is, is one of the main belief systems that has seeped in. And the postmodern thought is there's no absolute truth. There's no clearly defined roles, and that everything is flat. There's no hierarchy. There's no order. There's no system. God created a system. You see, God defines marriage. The creator of marriage defines it. He defines it as one man and one woman. And that is marriage. You cannot define it any other way. You can try to, but you will break yourself against the rock. Hello. So we've got to understand that. And then, then family is the basis of learning about self in postmodern thought. You don't necessarily learn about your family and learn about one another. You learn about your family so you can learn about you. And it's all about you. Narcissism is at an all-time high. We read it in the scripture last week. And so we begin to see that laws are fluid. There are no universal laws, no universal ethics. Uh, 
It's uh, all based upon situations and circumstance and can change at a drop of a hat. And reality is shaped by social, historical, and cultural context. There's absolutely no objective reality and no scientific or historical truth. That's what postmodern thought is. And people have taken this ideology and they've brought it into marriage, trying to create all different permutations of married relationships, whether it's same-sex marriage or whether it's just uh, different, different ways. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that are going on in our culture today. Can you say amen? Okay, so we've got to define what marriage is. Amen? Because if we need to set the standard of what marriage is. So we've got to go back to the beginning. Let's go to the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Second chapter of the book of Genesis. And we see first off in chapter 2 and verse number 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and he put him in a garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now notice this. That's the primary function and role of a man is to guard and protect and produce. Guard, protect, and produce. Hey, Amen. How are you? How's your mama? We're praying for her right now. Amen. In Jesus' name, we just pray right now for Mrs. Fairchild. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we just release the healing anointing right now to go forth into her lungs and into her body, driving out all virus, all infirmity right now in Jesus' name. I just thank you, Father God. We see her healed. We see her whole. We see her up. Lord, give her more years in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give her more years in the name of Jesus. We ask you in the name of Jesus. You agree with that? Yes. Hallelujah. I agree with that. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so notice the man has a job before he gets a wife. He has a purpose before he brings someone in to his life. There's a purpose for the man. The man has a purpose. See, you know, playing video games and being cued in the basement of the mother's house is not a good basis. Like I said, we, get, we fall in love with people's potential many times. You know, we fall in love with their potential. Oh, he could be this. She could be this. Oh, I really think we could do this and we could do that. Listen, anything that you go into, any preconceived idea that you go into a relationship never happens it just doesn't it just doesn't because we're not God okay and you're dealing with a free moral agent when you're dealing with a spouse you're dealing with a free moral agent that doesn't think like you I know that's hard for us to take it's hard extremely difficult for us to understand that if a person loves me here's the main lie if a person loves me and says they love me then they must think like me That's one of the biggest lies. That's one of the biggest lies. Well, if they, if, they love, you know, if they love me, then obviously they'll like this. You know, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Oh, they don't. They don't at all, okay? They don't want. They don't see life like you see life. In fact, that's what attracted you to them. You, you were attracted at the differences. You weren't attracted at sameness. That's the, that's the myth of marriage or, or uh, 
uh, eHarmony and, and Match.com. That's an absolute fallacy that if you find someone that's a Trekkie like you, you know, and, and that, that's going to bring fulfillment into your life. No, I'm attracted to my wife's opposites. Those are what attracted me. And see, I have to have the Spirit of God to be married because God ordained marriage and God put all of the components within successful marriage are tied to Him. They're not tied to secularism or modern thought or postmodern thought. They're tied to Him. So the more I'm connected to Him, the more I'm going to be happily engaged in my marriage. Amen? Because He created it. So I, He has to be the third aspect of my marriage. Not just me and my wife, but He has to be in there as well. Otherwise, I'm not going to be successful in my relationship. Amen? Most times when Christians start having trouble in their relationship, God's been taken out. Some kind of idea or some kind of thought or some kind of attitude or some kind of action that's irrespective of their relationship with God has taken over. You're getting quiet on me. It's all right. We've only got one service. So I can go... I can go to three if I want to until <laughs> you get it. All right? Okay? So he has a job first. God puts him. God, you know, God provides an environment, everything the man would need, puts him in that environment. But notice what happened. Uh, it says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living cre creature uh, that was his name the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field but for Adam there was no not found a helper fit for him okay so here he is Adam was not Cro-Magnum man or, or some kind of ape man he was a very wonderful, intricately created, intelligent man created in the likeness and image of God that he is so quick that he can name every animal. Right. Names them. The reason why God had him name the animals because man has dominion. So whatever man calls, that is that dominion mandate that's going forth in there. So he has dominion over these. God didn't name the animals. Adam named the animals. But also, God was also showing him that throughout all creation, there was nothing that was compatible to him. Regardless of what they tell you about bestiality and things of that nature, animals are not comparable to you. Okay? So he distinguishes between what is human and what is animal. And he has him name those names, showing them... Now, see, that's another thing about the complication of end-time marriage. Yeah, I would have never said that statement or had to say that statement 20 years ago. Right. That's right. But now we've got the Internet. The digital tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we got people saying all this kind of stuff and all this kind of sexuality that's outside of the realm of the Word of God. And it's enslaving people and destroying lives. Amen? 
And you have to say that stuff today. You have to talk about gender fluidity. You have to talk about... See, these are all things that are facing our young people. Our young people are being bombarded with ideas that are, that are coming in and robbing the life out of them. They sit, they, the, the great thing, uh, the, the weird thing about it is that the devil perceives it as freedom. He'll make it like for sexual liberty, sexual freedom. Well, I'm telling you, there are things that you can do in your flesh that are bondage to your spirit. And you might be messing around and doing what you want in the flesh, but you, I guarantee you, your mind is held captive. Your mind is in bondage. You are filled with guilt. You are filled with shame. And the answer is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Only he can heal those hurts, okay? Now, he's showing them. He's saying, well, hippopotamus, and then there's a, a female hippopotamus and a male hippopotamus and a, See, these are Sesame Street here, but we we got to talk about it, you know. And he talks about the male and the female and the male and the female, and he sees that there are twos of each of these species, but there's not anyone comparable for him. Do you understand that? Can it get any clearer? Okay. There's no helper comparable to him. There's no one that is compatible with him. Okay, God's trying to make a point. God will use these object lessons to bring about a point so that you get the idea that, guess what? God's going to make something, amen, And uh, for uh, Adam. Okay, he says, um, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its flesh with, uh, place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made. Now, that word made is a different word than even in the creation of Adam in the, in the first of the second chapter. It, uh, I believe it's yatsar in, in, in the Hebrew, and it means to build. Man was made, woman was built and all the men say amen, amen. <laughs> women are built amen. brick house okay built okay he built now notice this now this is goes against postmodern thought goes against feminist ideology the woman was taken out of man. Okay? I'm going to say some things that are going to rub you the wrong way on this holiday weekend. It's okay. All right? Adam was made and created in the image of God. Woman was taken out of man. Okay? Taken out of man. Now, woman is the glory of the man. That's what 1 Corinthians 11 says, glory of the man, because women are more beautiful yes. than men. Now, when you come into the animal kingdom, the male is the most beautiful. Right. That's true. Every male, whether it's a bird or fowl or whether it's a, the male is the most, got the most plumage, and, 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 and the woman uh, or the uh, female is um, not, okay? So take the lion. You've got the lion with the big mane, the male lion, 
And then the uh, female lions, they don't have that. Now, they, they do everything, but, uh, uh, you know, but when it comes to the peacock, the most beautiful peacock is the male peacock. So God is setting the tone and making a statement that the, the woman is the beauty and glory of humanity because she is the most beautiful. He chose the female of the human species to be the most beautiful. That's very important for you to understand. See, femininity is found in God. It's not found in the ideologies of Berkeley and, and uh, you know, the, these other think tanks that are out there, these liberal think tanks. The basis of femininity, femininity is not meant to make you, you know, it's almost as if they want to totally separate themselves from men, period, and you can't do it. You weren't. So we push against fathers and we push against... And, and have men behaved badly? Of course. Yes. Anytime sins in the world, you're going to have problems. But not all men are bad. And guys, not all women are evil. Hello? But we've got a culture that teaches this under the radar, teaches this to where they're necessary evils if you want children. And that is not the way to look at this. God created man and woman to function together. Amen? And create a marriage union that would create godly offspring. That's his desire. Amen? So he took this um, rib out, and he began to fashion her and build her. And it says um, in, in verse number 22, and the, Lord, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made or built into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, Woe man! <laughs> Amen? This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man because she was taken out of man. Okay? Now, God calls both male and female Adam. Okay? And so it's important for us to understand that male and female created he them. So when Adam was made, when Adam was made, and God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, it actually says he breathed the breath of lives. Lives in the, in the Hebrew. So Eve was breathed into Adam. So he didn't just take a physical rib from Adam. He also took the soul and spirit of Eve to where man is missing something that he had collectively and is now put into a separate entity. And now through marriage, God brings... But is that working? Well... According to the numbers, 40 to 50% of all marriages end in divorce in this nation. Okay, so obviously we're not doing it right. Obviously, we don't understand it the way we should. Amen? 
it's rarer and rarer for people to get married. They want all the goodies of marriage without the level of commitment. Okay, all right. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and should hold fast, cleave. It actually means sexual intimacy. Will cleave to his wife. Okay? Now let's turn over to uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's start with, let's look here. Let's start with verse number 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in, that name of, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay? Go on. Wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now there's a rough scripture for people. It's absolutely rough. Now he begins to talk about marriage. Now he's talking about marriage to display our relationship with Jesus. That's a whole context of this, okay? So it's not really, he's not setting out to straighten marriages out. What he's trying to do is show you your relationship with the Lord and how that marriage is basically uh, a type and shadow of our relationship with the Lord. So that tells you this, that mar true marriages operate and run when both parties have a relationship with the Lord. When you have a relationship with the Lord that, that where it needs to be, then you're going to be able to flow in this. Amen. But if you can't, if you don't, you're not going to flow in this. Right. Number one reason why people have problems in the end-time marriage is authority issues, absolutely authority issues, clearly defined roles definitions that were given and passed down from the Word of God. They have trouble with them. They try to define their own job descriptions within the marriage, and it ends up causing problems. And especially, it begins to show up when you start having kids. When you start having kids, that's when you start beginning who has the authority to do what and to say what. And then we're dealing with end-time marriage. So end-time marriage is a marriage where a lot of people have blended families. So they've got, you know, other moms and dads out there as well, and it complicates things. So, being, you know, bringing a straight stick in a crooked house is, 
is, is really, you know, one of the hardest things we have to deal with. It's, it's not because we read these scriptures and we want to agree with them in our heart, but our head just goes, I don't know if I can do that. I don't have any idea. And so the key is found in the 15th verse where he begins to talk about that we're to walk in wisdom, we're to walk, uh, you know, circumspectly, as the King James says, and uh, we're to not be drunk with wine, where it's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So he talks about an intoxication. He talks about that in order to do this, in order, and here, listen, listen, it's a controversial statement, but, but listen to me. In order to have a marriage that God wants you to have, you have to be drunk. Let me say that. In order for you to have the marriage that God wants you to have, you got to be intoxicated. You can't run it on your fumes. Because it's a supernatural covenant. It's based upon supernatural things. Trying to do it just in the natural will not work for you. That's the reason why he says don't be drunk with wine. Don't get over into addiction and things of that nature. Because guess what? When marriage isn't working, what happens? Addiction begins to happen. Something begins to happen. Porn begins to happen. Come on. Alcohol begins to happen. Drug addiction begins to happen. Uh, other interests and other hobbies take one partner away where they begin to focus on other things. Come on. That's, in, that's a form of intoxication. That's a form of enchantment and intoxication. You get enchanted. Maybe somebody at your office is saying nice things about you and sending you nasty emails and things. Not what I mean nasty is nasty jokes and things of that nature. That's a form of flirting. Did you know that? That's a form of flirting. It's to see how far they can take it with you. Hello. You're telling them you're going to church and then... You get them nasty emails and you LOL back. That's not a good witness. <laughs> See, they're seeing where they can take you. They're seeing where they can take you. You know, oh, yeah, she's a so-called Christian, but she like, you know, come on, she likes this nasty joke I sent her, you know, and forward it to 100 people. You know, I mean, it's not a good witness. Hello? So you've got to be intoxicated in order to submit yourself one to another in the fear of the Lord. It requires intoxication. Because you're not going to do that based upon your own will and your own desire. You're not going to do it. I ain't following anybody. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. But when you realize successful marriage relies submission on both parts, not just wives submit to your husband, but both parties submitted one to another. See, I'm just as much submitted to my wife as she is submitted unto me. It's not that I have the stamp and approval to tell her how to live and what to do and how to dress and how to think. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying here. I remember I got a call from a guy, drunk. He goes, I need you, pastor, to tell my wife that the Bible says, submit to your husband. And I said, sir, that's not what it says. He says, what kind of church do you got down there? I said, that's not what it says. I says, wives, submit to your husbands as 
unto the Lord. I said, sir, I can tell by your surly quipping <laughs> that you are not acting like the Lord. Submission is a response. It's a response. And if we're not acting as unto the Lord, men, we cannot expect submission. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but we have to show the fruit of the Spirit in situations. Come on. But if we're demanding our own way and wanting this and wanting that and beginning to be nasty, cussing our wives out, saying all kinds of nasty things, doing all kinds of dirty things, hello, making her feel insecure about herself, insecure about her future, that is not what Jesus does to us. Wives will, you know, be, be, um, be so insecure that they'll look for any way that they can, any kind of solid footing they can get into because you have made it totally unstable. Hello. Men will do this through being uh, control freaks. They'll do it through um, being passive-aggressive. Listen, I would rather have an out-loud control freak than a passive-aggressive warlock in my house. At least you can deal with the one that is, is letting it out, and, you know, come on, you can find out what's going on inside. Passive-aggressive, they hold on to stuff. It's like they're playing poker with you all the time. They're not going to show you their hand. They're not going to show you what's going on on the inside of them because they don't want you to know because you'll use it as leverage or they think you'll lose it as leverage against them and they lose their power. So they'll be quiet. Mm, that's worst. Just want to sock them in the face. Hello. But that's not what we're talking about here. Not talking about socking each other in the face. We're talking about learning to work one, with one another. We need to repent. You know, witchcraft is one of the main things that you have to deal with in end time marriage. The seeking of control, controlling the narrative, controlling the things that you're seeing. You know, our media do are things that go on in homes. It goes on in homes. We try to control the narrative. We try to control the image. We try to control certain things. And there's a whole bunch of secrets. And you shouldn't live with secrets. You're not called to live with secrets. Okay, all right. Now notice when it says submit to your own husbands. Now notice that doesn't submit to all men. That's not what it says. Submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. See, the, the responsibility really goes on the man. Hello. The woman is to be a responder as the man is an initiator. But oftentimes we have it reversed in homes. 
where the woman is always initiating, initiating purpose, initiating vision, because some men don't know how to do that. They don't have a prayer life. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. Amen? And so a lot of relationships fail because the intoxication is out of their relationship. It's gone. You're not drunk anymore. When you were dating, you were drunk. Some of you physically. But, but anyway, <laughs> when you were... <laughs> but, but really, you were drunk. You thought about them all the time. Every song that came on the radio made you think about them. Come on now. You were intoxicated. You just couldn't get enough of them. I mean, you did things you never did. When you get drunk physically, you do stupid stuff. When you get drunk emotionally, the same thing happens. You write poetry and songs, and even though you don't know how to play the guitar, you tried to. I mean, you wanted to do all kinds of things. You had visions of grandeur, visions of a better life with them. That's all you thought about was what we were going to build and what we were going to do and what that looked like. And you were so excited and optimistic about the future. You were under intoxication. But many times when people get into the routine of relationship and they get driven into the world system, they begin to get the intoxicating aspects out of their relationship. Okay. I'll go there. I'll go there. If the Lord brings it up, I'll go there. Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5. We've got at least an hour more, so I'm just kidding. People have lost this stuff. They're wondering why they're not fulfilled, wondering why, you know, what used to work doesn't work anymore. Well, you stopped drinking. Now, I'm not talking about Jack Daniels. I'm talking about of the Spirit of God. You stopped drinking. He says, don't be drunk with wine, whereas in, you know, debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's equating drinking physically to drinking spiritually. The only way I'm going to be able to submit myself one to another in the fear of the Lord is if I'm drunk. If I'm under the intoxication and the influence of the Spirit of God. Because my flesh doesn't want to submit to anything or anybody. My flesh doesn't want to give advice. You know, I, I, I shared this, I guess, at 11 last time, but, you know, when your kids come to you for advice, you know, and it's hard for them, you know, to come to you, even though you're your parents, it's hard for them to do that. And so they'll ask you for it, and you'll give their advice, and this is what you want to happen after you give your your wisdom. <laughs> oh, Father, thank you for thy wise counsel. I will go forthwith and do all that you say before a fortnight.
They don't do that at all. What's this? And they just go do what they want to do. People don't want to follow directions. They don't want to. I don't want to. I might be thirsty and want a glass of water. But if Daniel tells me, take a drink of water, I will get as far away from that as I possibly can. Come on, you know it's true. Well, you know, you really should check your oil. Well, I'll drive it till it burns up. I mean, it's just the stupid stuff we do just because someone told us to. Now, if we think about it, it's fine. We think on it, it's fine. But if someone tells us, you know, you really might want to think about doing that. I ain't doing it. You don't tell him that. You're inside. I ain't doing it. How dare you? You stepped over. So you got to have intoxication. You got to be intoxicated. See, when you were in love, you let, you know, I, when we were in uh, Manford High School and, and Karen and I had classes together, I would let her write on my skin. You know, I mean, it's just stuff like that. Yep. You know, I've known guys that let them finger polish their nails and stuff like that. I'm serious. You know, put makeup on them and stuff like that. And they'll just sit there all docile, you know. This is before social media. But, uh, you know, she used to put a little smiley face on my nose. I'm ashamed to tell you this stuff. <laughs> but I sat there. You want to know why I sat there? Because I was in love. Okay, look at this. All right. Verse 15. Are you getting anything out of this? Is it helping you? You're going to have to be drunk. If you want a good, happy marriage, you're going to have to learn to drink. You're going to have to learn to drink. That means you get in your, you get in your prayer closet and you... When that honeydew list, you... Hello? When she makes you change your clothes... Hello. Come on now. Ladies, you're going to have to be bevying up to the bar as well. Hello. You're going to have to be praying. Come on, because you got to have it. Because there's absolutely no way. My grandpa was an alcoholic. And that's why I steer clear of any and all, you know, alcohol. I stay clear. Of, I'm, I'm, I, you know. I'm a prohibitionist in my life. I can't tell you what to do in there. But you need to, you need to follow the admonition of the Lord and stay away from the stuff. But, um, you know, he was always agitated, you know. He'd get agitated and mean and stuff like that. But then he'd go get his drink. 
I could get money from him. <laughs> He'd be very agreeable to my, you know, come. See, what are most of our fights? We're not agreeing. Well, see, the difference between the Holy Spirit and, and the natural spirits of this world is that the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You see what I'm saying? How many could use a little of that in their relationships? Amen? Where in natural, it's just simply, you know, you're just impaired, you know, emotionally to some degree. And it doesn't last. Okay? Now, notice it says this. Drink waters from your own cistern, flowing waters from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Now, when we read these uh, metaphors here that are used by Solomon in the book of Proverbs, water is a type of spiritual strength, but it's also a type of sexual strength. Okay? Now, there, there is a teaching, and I'm not going to teach it here today, and I probably wouldn't teach it with young people, you know, younger, younger people involved. But sex and the spirit, there's a tie to it. Because as we saw in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, he's using the marriage relationship to show our relationship with Jesus and how it's to function, okay? So there's a lot with the intimacy between a husband and a wife is to mirror the intimacy between us and the Lord, okay? So as we commune with one another, you see, it produces certain things. It produces joy. It produces all kinds of different things. It can produce children as well, okay? But also with the Lord, our interaction with Him intimacy with him it also gives birth to things it also brings things into the world amen so he's talking about not going around and being sexually promiscuous is what he's talking about he says drink waters out of your own cistern so he likens the woman as a cistern in the sense that she's a well of deep, deep waters and has to be drawn from. Do you understand the difference? Where man is likened unto a... Um, let's look at it here. It says, streams of water. It says, let, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with thee. Let your fountain be blessed. So we've got two different ways of how men and women operate. The woman is a cistern, and the man, you see, he is, what does he say? A fountain. So fountain is water under pressure. Okay? So majority of time, the water under pressure is going to initiate intimacy where the cistern has to be drawn from. So it's just, just the old adage, if we took it to, you know, the modern vernacular, we would say that women are crockpots, 
and men are microwaves. Okay? Not crackpots, crockpots. Okay? He goes on, drop down to verse number uh, 19, and I want to read the second portion of that. It says, Be intoxicated always in her love. So he is basically equating sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife as being intoxicated. So here you've got two choices to get intoxicated. You can get intoxicated even as a single person in the Lord by speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks unto the Father. That's how you stay drunk. That's how you stay under the influence of the Spirit of God. But then he also equates it in the book of Proverbs to sexual intimacy between a husband and wife bring the intoxicating level up. And in fact, the more happiness that you will have in a relationship is based upon your intoxication level. But what is one of the number one things that's attacked in relationships? You don't want to say it, but you know that to be true is sexual intimacy. Right there, you stop getting drunk. Hello. Here's the problem, guys. You didn't marry to have a roommate. Did you marry to have a roommate? I mean, I could live by myself and be happy. I mean, all of us have said that at one time or another. All married people, I can be by myself. Older you get, you kind of like it. You know, the older I get, if someone tells me to go somewhere, I got two requirements. How far is it and do I need to wear pants? I mean, that's, that's it. Okay? So what happens? The cistern isn't stirred anymore because we don't know how to stir it anymore. And men refuse to stir the cistern. They just think that women should act like they do. Well, I'm ready. Are you ready? You can have the nastiest fight. You can be, I hate your mother and I hate you. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> we are a mystery. Men are a mystery. We can walk in from work, not say a word to our spouse the whole entire evening. She brings our dinner to our easy chair that we've crocked, rocked back, and we're watching football all night long. Back in the day, I remember, you know, my dad used to stay up until the, the, the television went to the fuzz. How many remember that? <laughs> You'd wake up to that. We'll get in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning after sleeping in the chair, not saying a word to our wife, and they say, Honey, you sleep? <laughs> some, of you, some of you know what that means right here. Some of you did it last night. 
I mean, we can just respond. Bam, the older you get, the response level's a little, you know, it, it gets a little uh, impeded sometimes. But uh, for the most part, you're, you're ready to go. Well, women are never ready to go. Hello, wives. They have to be stirred. They have to be stirred. They have to be, you have to pull that water. You have to, you know, um, men have sex to feel intimate. Women have to feel intimate to have sex. That's the difference. And that's what he's saying right here. He said, don't. He said, don't go around trying to find satisfaction from any other well. I gave you a cistern. Draw waters from it. Don't let your spring or, 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 or you know, go out abroad because it get, he, he actually uses the word get out in the streets, you know, going out to the clubs, going out and trying to find all kinds of different stuff. He says, don't do that. He says, let your wife satisfy you. Now that means that means this, she can do it. Oh, come on! Some of you are saying, "I don't know about that." No, yeah, <laughs> she can do it. She can do it. She's anointed to do it. She's anointed to do it. I mean, people have all these kinds of things, you know. They keep, imagine themselves with someone else. Imagine themselves if it could have been with this person or that person or old. Uh, ex-flame, you know, that they've roused their curiosity and romance on Facebook. But they ain't anointed to do what they do. They're not anointed to take care of you. God anoints your spouse to take care of you. Hello. But what, what happens? We do pretty good for a while, then we get into the routine of life. Then we start raising kids. And then all of a sudden we stop drinking. We stop drinking spiritually. And we stop drinking physically. And then all of a sudden we wonder why there are problems. Because I, I'm telling you, I need the Spirit of God to live with you. Oh, come on. Sit there and lie to me. Tell me that you don't need the Spirit of God to do it. You're using other things to live with them. Right. Hello. Deal with your bad self. and You know, everybody sees the good stuff when you're out in public. You know, I got to live with the bad stuff. They got to live with the bad stuff in me. They got to live with the, you know, it's... <laughs> It's kind of like, remember the old 45s? Remember the old 45s, some of you older folk? Um, the 45s? You know, you had the A-side, which had the single that you bought. And it was you know, the song that you could listen to over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, you just put the needle, put the needle back, put the needle back, put the needle back. And then you say, hey, I want to try and see what's on this B-side. It's usually not very good. It's, it's the same artist, but it's not as strong as that one. And you know, majority of marriage is working through the B-side. 
because during the dating relationship, A-side's playing. Ding, 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 ding. Ooh, yeah. I like that. But boy, you get... B-side turns over real quick. It's like... Oh, gosh. There's hair in the sink again. the toilet paper goes over over and why why is the toothpaste squeezed in the middle he snores it's horrible I feel like I'm at a zoo and see all the things that you ignored during the dating you begin to smell their smells see their habits you know you, you, you actually fantasize about living with them it was just going to be this utopia and then there's underwear on the floor and He uses a glass every time. Every time he gets a glass of water, there's glasses all over. Just and, and these are real simple things. These are real, but yet they begin to grate on you. What's the answer? Drinking. Because that's the only. <laughs> that's the only way you're gonna get to it. Hello. Because guess what? You didn't, you didn't ask to be a roommate. I didn't ask my wife, would you come and share a, a place with me? That's not what I wanted. I wanted a partner. Amen? Not a sleepover friend. You know what I'm saying? Not to, it's more than that. And the problem, our culture's taking away all the standard of relationships where it's not important anymore. People can, well, I can just live with them and I can just do it. No, no, no. It's cheap. That's not the, the, the level of commitment. Do you know why people get frustrated with their sex lives and when they live together? It's because there's no commitment that ties it together. There's absolutely nothing there. There's nothing that says, you will love me regardless of how I look See, that's what you want. That's what you want. You want someone to love you and want you and desire you regardless of what size you are at that present season of your life or regardless of what you're going through. You want to know there's somebody in the world that loves you and wants you and desires you. But if you don't, if you live together, then that's out the window because I can just leave. Marriage should be to where you don't leave. You don't leave. Because marriage is based on love of choice. You choose to love. I choose to love you rather than what love, you know, based on feeling. Because my feelings can come and go. 
And they do, still in marriage. They come and go. There are seasons in which I'm overly enamored with my wife. There are seasons in which I am not. And the same towards me. But because I have made a choice steeped in a commitment before God, I stand and declare by faith I'm in it for the long haul. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. And my vows meant something to me. Tell death do us part. That needs to be... Divorce is used way too much in homes. And it's almost like the last resort. It's like you got this break, break glass in case of emergency. Divorce. It's like... It's like each one of you going over there going. You say that again, I won't break it, I won't break it. That's manipulation, it's witchcraft, and you need to stop it. God cannot bless your marriage if you're going to bring the end game out every time you get in a fight or getting in. Hello? People get silly. I get silly. I've said silly stuff over dumb, stupid things because marriage is opposed. The devil doesn't want good marriages because it's the building block of the kingdom of God on the earth is human marriage relationship. Amen? So it's important. So notice... We're to be intoxicated. So how am I going to get through end-time marriage? I'm going to double up. I'm going to triple up. I'm going to get my prayer life where it needs to be. I'm going to get connected with Him. The more I'm connected with Him, the more I'm able to get along with you. Come on, it all works the same. It all works together. What's the answer? Yeah, the problems may change. They may morph. They may, you know, go into different extremes, but the answer is always the same. The answer is this. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I can operate in love and joy and peace and long-suffering and self-control. Come on, I can operate in those things. Those things grow in me. I have a divine nature on the inside of me. I've got to learn to yield to that divine nature. And the way that I do it is I do what the Word of God says. I'm not going to go to foreign substances. I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to speak to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm going to make melody in my heart to the Lord. I'm going to give thanks unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's going to cause me to be intoxicated. That's going to cause me to be able to weather the storm. That's going to cause me to be able to stand when I want to fall. To say yes when I want to say no. To say no when I want to say yes. I'm going to be able to do it. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I've got something greater on the inside of me. I don't have to be dictated to by my flesh and by what my flesh wants. I can stand. I can weather the storm. I can speak to the mountain. 
regardless of where my marriage relationship is, I have the power by the Holy Spirit to begin to see breakthrough happen in that life. But it's going to start right here. It's going to start with me. They're going to start with them changing and me pointing my finger at them and saying that if they would do this and if they would do that, that's the wrong way. You need to look at yourself. How's your prayer life? How's your relationship with the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit of God? Are you praying? Are you seeking the face of God? Are you pursuing Him? Because I'll tell you what, when you pursue Him, you'll draw what you need. You'll draw what you need. It'll attract what you need. But if you resist Him and put Him in an improper position, you get rid of that third aspect of your marriage relationship, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems, and you're not going to know. You're, you're going to be at a place where I don't know whether this will ever be fixed. Why? You've taken the only thing that can save you and your marriage out of the equation, and you didn't even know that you did it. You just grew indifferent. Amen? You just grew indifferent. You know, they used to have, you know, trucks, you know, didn't have them big consoles, you know, in there. So you'd, uh, you'd squeeze up, you know. I remember I, I drove to Stillwater with Karen on my lap one time. It was, that was quite fun. Uh, But you know, as time progresses, people will move and they'll want more and more space. And then all of a sudden, you know, the wife says, well, honey, why don't you hug on me anymore? And so he said, you know what? I didn't move. And the Lord is saying to some people in here, I have moved. Because the closer I am to Jesus, the closer I am I can be to my wife. It's in, it's in direct proportion. It's in direct proportion. I know that sounds simple and easy, but it's the truth. People aren't drinking enough. And that means everything causes you to think that other person is just irritating and you just want to get away from them. Because you're not drinking enough. You're not seeing them with the inebriation and of the Spirit of God. You're not seeing them through that. Because, listen, we are all fleshly, fallen, carnal people. And we are small. We have petty, petty attitudes. Smallness. We get irritated over nothing. Nothing. And if we're inconvenienced or made uncomfortable... We just respond negatively. But boy, when you begin to take on the Spirit of God, when you begin to allow the Spirit of God, you'll begin to see your spouse differently. You'll begin to see your children differently. You'll begin to see your workplace differently. You'll begin See, that's the whole purpose of the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. It's just the truth, guys. Amen? Is that too hardcore for you? It's the truth. So let's get to drinking. Amen? Let's get to drinking. 
If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we'll have counselors right here. They'll teach you how to drink. They'll teach you how to drink. After we close the service out, they'll be here. I can't think of a better day to get filled with the Spirit. And if you haven't been operating in that, praying in other tongues, you need, you need, to, you need to begin to yield to that in your life. That is a connection between you and the Spirit of God that will empower you and strengthen you and edify you and build you up. You need it. Amen? Hallelujah. So they're going to, when we close the service out, uh, we're going to have counselors up here. If you need to be born again, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, you need healing in your body, one stop right here. Amen? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a good rest of your holiday weekend. Amen.